2: Welcome to a special edition of the New Statesman podcast where we chew over the spending review for I'm joined by our politics editor, Raphael Baer, and the editor of the Staggers, George Eaton. Um, George, first of all, before we get into the spending review, I just want to talk quickly about the GDP figure revisions. What's happened and should we care?
0: Yes, the double dip officially never happened. So the ONS have revised growth in the first quarter of 2012 from minus 0.1 to 0% so Yay. the slightest possible yeah. improvement um and the tories have the, the tory spin machine has jumped on this as long as they said, look the double dip didn't happen and actually while we're at it the ons have also said the the earlier recession was even deeper than we first saw um i think they'd be wrong to be too gleeful because you know, no one outside of, of westminster and uh, the economics profession looks at gdp figures what matters for most people is that things are getting more expensive and their wages generally aren't rising.
1: And the reality is um, that, I mean, there are a lot of people who are based largely in central London, uh, both journalists and politicians a lot of the time, in sort of SW1 postcode, who never had a recession. And so there is a sort of a culture around that thinks recession, what recession, mm. among a lot of people. And then there are parts of the country that, that are still in recession and were probably in recession earlier and deeper than the you know, national statistics are reported. So these things are... I'll so this is why thing.
2: Labour have been so keen to talk about the squeeze middle, the cost of living, that kind of thing, right? Uh,
0: absolutely. So, I mean, Ed Miliband's, this is quite a, quite a good line, I think he says, We're, it's, those, it feels like a recovery for those at the top getting their 50p tax cut, uh, but for those at the bottom, it's still a, it's still a recession. I think actually, um, I mean, and we'll come on to this with the spending review, but that they've focused slightly too much on attacking government over borrowing recently, when um, they should really be focusing on living standards, that squeeze middle stuff, which Miliband spoke so much about um, when he first became leader. It's
2: funny, isn't it? I can't imagine that my mum's going to phone me up tonight and go, Whoa, hang on a minute, have you heard this amazing news about the you know, 0.1% turning into 0%? It is a really Westminster kind of thing, isn't it?
1: But it does, where it's relevant, is it feeds the sense that of who in Westminster has been winning the argument. And it's obviously very important for the Tories at the moment to feel that... Um, maybe a year or so later than they had originally expected, things are going their way. The corner has been turned, and is this actually from
2: rescue to recovery.
1: Yeah, and the, or crucially, the sense that there was no alternative. There is no. It's very difficult for Labour to go into an election saying it wouldn't have been as bad if you'd had us. It's just not a plausible proposition on doorstep because no one can prove it, um, and which is why George is absolutely right. Labour's best hope, their only hope really, is that people will go into the next election thinking. You, you're telling me that it's fine, but I don't feel any better off. And actually, it's better. You, you, you and your chums are better off, mate, digging into your £10 burgers. But actually, for me, it just feels rubbish and stressful and I'm scared and miserable and we need a change. That's the only Labour proposition that that can really help them in the next election.
2: OK, let, let's deal with the, the burger in the room. Did you like that say I thought it was amazing <laughs> before, before we arm, get into, into some technical stuff about the Job Allowance. Because I thought it was really... Interesting because obviously the fact that the son put this idea that you know Osborne tweeted a photo of himself eating this burger that turned out to be expensive turns it into a story. So he got asked about it on the Today programme this morning on Sky News this morning. And much as I tempted to go, Oh come on, the man is a multimillionaire, you know, son of a baronet, of course he can afford a ten pound burger Do you think it is the kind of thing that normal people will care about?
0: Uh, i don't think it is, and I also think um people actually think ten pounds for for a burger isn't as expensive as with with inflation as 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 some might think but i think I think people are suspicious of when politicians try to look uh like one of them. i don't actually think that was particularly an attempt to do that i mean anyone everyone knows that especially around budgets and spending reviews, politicians live off takeaways um but I, think I, but I do think he, he, he was naive to think it wouldn't lead to those sort of
1: jibes. I think there's two elements to this Well, First, yeah, the, it is potentially damaging just in the sense that people hate the notion that politicians are all spin and about image management. I mean, that the story of David Cameron riding his bike to work and then have followed, by the, followed car. by the car carrying his posh shoes yeah. that stuck around in labor focus groups for ages they were saying you just it was the one thing that everyone knew about cameron for years and years and years it really stuck to him um because it just seemed to capture the essence of this person who wants to be one thing but that everyone really knows is is something else the other side of it, though, I think there is a danger of, again, coming back to that point I made earlier, a bunch of people who actually are earning quite a lot of money all sitting around having a jolly old braying time with their college cufflings and their, you know... um 10-pound burger lunches every day um, about, you know, what a jolly wheeze and the japan is and haven't we caught George Osborne out, or maybe we haven't, and which fine burger restaurant did you eat at in Mayfair last week? And actually, the rest of the country, it, it just is completely alien. It's insane that this is what we're talking about, when actually the government has just, for example... Gratuitously taken seven days' worth of benefits payments away from people who have just been made unemployed. You know, it is actually, I mean, the danger of sounding like a sort of angry, pious lefty, which, you know. No, no, go go uh, people chart. sort of close down. But you just, actually, it, it's sort of like, as I said yesterday, it's like being locked in a small room with a birdie song playing on a high volume and, and you can't escape. So, what is this really what we're talking about when the spending review has just, as I said, you know, made some pretty brutal cuts? to some people who are really, on the lowest incomes, extremely vulnerable, and, well, and all the other mean things that they've done, which George can tell us about probably more <laughs> So for detail. anybody
2: who's, who's missed the, the, the JobSeeker's Allowance story, basically the idea was that you had to wait three days before claiming, now you have to wait seven. Um, I saw Simon Duncheck at Labour MP this morning saying, well, people should be able to save, you should save some money for a, for a rainy day. And that's just not possible, is it, for people who are on temporary contracts who are you know, living kind of hand to mouth, essentially?
0: Absolutely. I, uh, most, of, most of them won't have any household savings. I mean, benefit delays are already one of the main reasons that people use food banks I and mean, charities see this all the time. And the key thing with this is it's not going to be backdated. It's not as if it's just designed to incentivize people to look for work and then we, you, know, you still get the benefits you owed originally. It is a welfare cut. It is going to save money. Uh, but you're right about Labour. I mean, they've been very careful. They they saw this; you know, they, they can spot Osborne's welfare traps you know, very easily. Now he announces something incredibly tough, hopes Labour, that Labour will oppose it, and then he says, "Oh, you're the welfare party." Um, so we saw
2: air Balls this morning refusing to say that it was a terrible thing, right?
0: Exactly. So he never opposes them in principle. He says, "Well, let's look at the detail. Let's see if it works," um, which which obviously the left are, left are very um, uncomfortable with.
2: And do you think that's going to cause problems, a disconnect between the kind of anti-austerity Labour base who have been very fired up by that kind of message, and the top brass who are clearly recalibrating their message?
1: Uh, it is. A, it's clearly a problem to the extent that you have, that the Labour leadership is now sort of maroons between their old position and their new position, the old one being, this is wicked, everything that the government is doing is damaging growth, The cuts is, it's, un, it's sort of mean-spirited and it's not going to work, and now they're moving into a position of saying, well, this awful legacy that will inherit means we 're going to have to do some horrible things, which you can is a sort of position for the sort of six to eight months before an election. you say well look, they've messed everything up now we 've got to clear up their mess, but that leaves this sort of slightly awkward eighteen months in between where you 're not saying one thing yet you 've stopped saying one thing, and you haven't really started exp- explaining kind of articulately and convincingly your alternative and uh, that makes everyone on the Labour side feel very sort of disconnected and uncomfortable. They don't really have much to say that sounds that, that cuts through and it shows. I think. So
2: that's what we talked about last week with regards to the bedroom tax and the fact that Labour went into exactly. a whole head of steam, of saying this is terrible, this is really victimising the disabled, but we don't oppose it. We in principle. Um, talking about winter fuel allowance. So again, this exposes, I suppose, the danger of announcing Labour announcing policies or projected policies because George Osborne sort of moved in on that ground, hasn't he?
0: Yeah, this is always a problem that your bad policies get ridiculed and your good policies get, get stolen. Mm-hmm. And so George Osborne's going to introduce something called a temperature test now where pensioners who live in uh, in warmer countries uh, will lose their, their winter fuel allowance. And he actually stole uh, Andy Burnham's policy also of integrating NHS and social care spending. Um, so this is why Labour have been one of the reasons they've been reluctant to give too much detail. But I do think, though, that the Bulls move on the Winterfuel Alliance was quite smart in the sense that it has focused attention on that section of the budget people suddenly now, when you have the welfare debate, are having to talk about the fact that most of it goes on pensioners. And in a way, they were before. And I think that's helpful for Labour because it's, uh, it re- helps to rebut this myth that
1: the welfare bill has risen because of lots of lazy people who don't want to work. What I find extraordinary about, I mean, you, you, you said earlier, you're absolutely right that Labour have seen sort of Osborne's welfare traps coming and they manoeuvre around that. What I find fascinating is that the, the basic fact that George Osborne is a sneaky game-playing tactician who has absolutely no principles and is motivated entirely by a kind of um chess players or not even chess players or dice throwers gaming approach to politics desperate to just try and win at any cost is in the price of George Osborne now everyone completely recognizes that that's who he is and we just so he has the spending review they know you do even expects there to be any kind of long-term vision for Britain or there for there to be some sort of underlying moral purpose to it it's just has he done a good move on the chessboard you know marks out of 10 and actually again while I've got my pious lefty played shirt on I just think is that really the most now we can expect from politics for the next two years that essentially it's a question of you know George Osborne hit the ball did Ed Balls manage to return the serve or actually are we going to be able at some stage to have a conversation about the kind of country we want to live in.
2: But isn't that also a problem for Labour in the sense that they don't want to sort of be seen to stand up we were talking about welfare and about the idea that you can't cut welfare hard enough as far as the public is concerned that there is little sympathy with people who often you through no fault of their own have ended up unemployed or sick or whatever. Yeah I recently had
1: a conversation with a very senior advisor of the Treasury where I put exactly that question to him. I said, are you not concerned that at some stage this is going to, all this, these welfare cuts is going to turn into a kind of a nasty party problem for you? People think you're just mean um, and it's not very nice. And the response was essentially, no, because we've looked at the data and we've done the focus groups and we've read the polling and you cannot go in too hard on this stuff. We would do I think the exact words are, we would struggle to match public opinion in terms of how tough you can be on welfare.
2: Well, that's a terrifying thought, and I think probably on that terrifying thought, we'll leave it. Thank you to George and Rev.